I'm really excited to um to preach today. Uh, some of you new faces, some of you very familiar. Uh, really, really happy to be here at Yonsei. Uh, whenever I come here, I just have a blast. I just have such a good time, and I just have so much fun. And today, I believe will be the same. Uh, as Sarah introduced me, my name is Myunghwa Myunghwa Choi. Uh, I'm from Korea. I was born and raised in Busan. How many of you have been to Busan before? Yeah, oh, you guys have to check it out. If you if you guys are especially uh, exchange student, go check out Busan. It's a beautiful city. That's where I'm from, and I'm a pastor. Uh, I am one of the youngest female pastors in Korea, if you didn't know. <laughs> Praise God, I'm still in my 20s, okay? <laughs> um, almost over, though. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, <clears throat> really, really happy to speak to my generation of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, I'm going to be speaking from... Um, I took a short nap this afternoon, and right before I fell asleep, I was praying to the Lord, God, what do you want me to talk to these, you know, these students, these kids about? And then God gave me one line, and then I fell asleep, uh, and then I woke up, and the sermon was there, right? So, uh, one line, I'm going to go from that one line that God has spoken to me, and I believe that that's a word for you, amen? Oh, you don't even know what I'm going to talk about, but you already said amen, okay? Uh, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 20. If you guys have your Bibles, turn there. Um, Exodus chapter 20. This is a famous chapter because this is where the Ten Commandments that Moses received from the Lord for the people of Israel. This is a chapter that has Ten Commandments. Everyone say Ten Commandments. So this is a list of pretty much, don't do this, do that, directly from the Lord, right? This is to the people of Israel, to the people of God. And these are, I will say, the basic 10 things that a Christian or a believer of the Lord should really abide by. And this is not by a legalistic standard, but this, I believe, these 10 things really reflect the heart of God. These are so important to God that God decided to talk to Moses about, and Moses, make sure my people abide by my heart. So this is straight from God's heart, and I believe this is sort of like a letter from the Lord directly, right? And we're going to be looking at it, but I'm going to focus on one commandment out of the ten, okay? The first one, you know, really good, you should have no other gods before me. Mm, good. Second one, do not make any like idols, carved images, whatever, whatever. We're going to jump all the way to uh, verse 12, which is the fifth commandment. Uh, I'm going to start reading from there. So verse 12, honor your father and your mother. Uh, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. 13, you shall not murder. Mm-hmm. 14, please don't. Uh, 14, <laughs> you shall not commit adultery. Mm-hmm. You shall not steal. Mm-hmm. You shall not bear false witnesses against your neighbor. And verse 17, it goes, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Amen. In itself, this is like a sermon, okay? You're already like, oh, yeah. Do not covet is the line that I heard before I fell asleep. Do not covet. Everyone say, do not covet. See, if you look at the Ten Commandments, you know, this is talking about like, hey, do not murder, do not steal, do not give a false witness. And these are pretty much like a moral standards that God is talking about. Anybody here believe that we can feel free to murder? Anybody? 
It's like pretty much like a given, you know, do not steal. That's basic. You know, that those are like, of course, God. But then the 10th one, the last one in this set of 10 commandments, the 10th one has nothing to do with necessarily a crime, you know, or morally bad stuff. But this is like about our heart's attitude. This is about like your life's like outlook. You know, hey, do not covet. And that's not something that you do necessarily with your hands or with your action, but this is more about your heart's attitude. You guys agree? Why did God have to make this one of the Ten Commandments? And I believe it's because this is very important in a believer's life. Uh, The message uh, version, which is like a paraphrase of the Bible by Eugene Peterson. He's a biblical scholar. Uh, this is like an easy, easy version of the Bible. And this says this, no lusting after your neighbor's house or wife or servant or maid or ox or donkey. Don't set your heart on anything that is your neighbor's. This is a paraphrase of it, right? TMV, which is today Myung-Hwa's version, is, <laughs> it says, <laughs> Stop looking at your Instagram and Facebook and comparing and obsessing over your neighbor. Oh, they look like they're, they have seemingly perfect life, but don't lust after their face, their body, their style, their house, their car, their career, their relationships, their popularity, their money, their lifestyle, and, and a bowl of salad that they're eating, okay? Which is a common theme if you look at Instagram, okay? Do not obsess over, do not covet anything that you don't have how much time do you spend on social media looking at other people's lives thinking oh my life sucks you know i'm in my pj studying for midterms and this girl looks gorgeous on the beach of la you know oh this girl you know she looks fantastic i don't know what you're thinking when you look through them but instagram and social media facebook all these things have a way of promoting people's lives it just makes it look so perfect flawless you know I'm not a good example of that, right? But, like, it just makes people's lives look so gorgeous, doesn't it? Like, so glamorous, you know? Wow, that's how you look every single day because the pictures that they post, it looks perfect every day. You know, oh, flawless makeup, you know? Amazing outfit. They look like they're, like, they're, like, on magazine every single day. And that's what we look at pretty much every day. And that's what we kind of, like, oh... But then when you look at stuff like that, you can't help but to look at yourself and like, oh, my hair today is stinky. Or, you know, like, oh, haven't taken a shower for a couple of days, Susie, right? Anyways, <laughs> stuff like that, right? <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. The word covet, it means this. Simply to covet means to desire or to lust after or take delight in. You know, so you're rejoicing over something that's not even yours or to want it, to desire it. So when God says do not covet, it's like, hey, don't obsess over or don't lust after what is not yours. Don't be looking at your neighbor's life like that. You know, that's what God is saying. And I think this is really applicable to the generation like us where we are able to look at not just my next door neighbor. You know, we don't actually know what, what they're doing, to be frank, right? <laughs> next door, we don't, neighbor in, in our generation, we don't really see them or whatever. But our neighbor is more like uh, my classmates or like, you know, who I have on my Facebook friends list or Instagram, like YouTube stars, things like that. People that are not really around us, but we have access to more neighbors than ever in this past generations, you know? So 
in the in the past, all you could compare yourself was just your uh, neighborhood kid, right? And then, or my classmate at school. But then now, you have ability to look at everybody's life in this world who have internet access. Everywhere from Indonesia to LA to I have nothing to do with LA, by the way. I keep using it as an ex example, but it's the city of vanity, man. Anyways, so <laughs> you know, a lot of those people are just from LA. Anyways, I'm sorry if you're from LA. I have nothing against LA, but you know, you just have ability to look at everybody from the world. You know, let me tell you. Symptoms of those who tend to covet, okay, look at other people's lives and tend to compare. Uh, these are the symptoms that you actually see and also based on the Bible. Number one is they're insecure. They're insecure. Root of insecurity is always comparison, okay, comparison. So I googled it, insecurity. Let's google it, right? Nobody looks at dictionaries anymore, so I just googled it. Google it, and it says insecurity is a feeling of general unease or nervousness that may be trigger, triggered by perceiving of oneself to be vulnerable or inferior to in some ways, or a sense of vulnerability or instability, instability, instability which threatens one's self-image or ego. I will agree so. So it's like a, a lack of self-confidence. You know, my I feel smaller with somebody that's better than me or feeling unstable because of the surroundings, feeling smaller, inferior in some ways. So that's like a general feeling that you get uneasy, nervousness that you feel when better people, quote unquote, are around you. That's insecurity. And it usually comes from comparison. You know, I don't know. I mean, girls will probably feel what I'm trying to say, but I don't know about boys, okay? But I'll say it anyways. You know, when you, let's say I, I, I go out like this, right? I feel good about myself when I'm in my room, okay? I don't care how I look. I'm secure in front of myself. But then, like, especially without makeup, singer, right? With no makeup, when I step outside of my house, I just feel so insecure. I just feel like everybody's looking at my freckles. I feel like, and then if there's like a really pretty girl wearing high heels, dressed up with nicely curled hair, and then she, you know, happens to sit by me at a cafe or something, I just feel really insecure. There are days that I just feel ugly. Am I the only one in this room that feel that way? Yeah. Y'all, you all know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. And then some days I like, I like decorate myself, you know, <laughs> and then I, I like, you know, do everything I, I can. And then I go out, I feel more confident. You know, I feel better about myself. You know, the way I carry myself because of the heels or whatever, it's just different. You know, just there are uh, men, I don't know how, what the equivalent will be. When you shave, uh, when you wax your hair, I don't know. <laughs> um... Yeah, whatever, whatever works for you. But, you know, there are days that girls, we, we feel more secure and more insecure and things like that. Um, even like little things like a uh, 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 pimple on your face can make difference. Oh, somebody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so insecurity is a huge deal for college students. And I think everyone in this room probably is vulnerable to insecurity. The feeling of nervousness or like... Uh, that unease that you feel or the lack of confidence that you feel depending on your surroundings. Uh, if you are insecure about certain things, that probably means that you look at people differently based on uh, their 
looks or whatever standard that you're trying to use. If you are insecure about, let's say, your school name, right? Yonsei is really good school. That's why I'm using this as an example. But let's say you went to a school that you're kind of ashamed of. You know, oh, I didn't make it to Yonsei or Yihua or better schools, and I just went to um, whatever, university, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> then... You feel insecure because you look at people who made it towards better schools higher than yourself. Does it make sense? Because you add value or worth to people who have made it there, and you, you, you use the same standard for yourself, and relatively speaking, because of the comparison, you feel smaller or inferior to them. Because it is a standard that they use. So it's not just that you feel insecure, but you probably look at others who have that credential higher than you, and the people who don't have it, lower. If you're insecure about, let's say, your legs, okay? And then the way you will look at girls with really beautiful legs will be different than girls with thicker legs than you. You know what I'm talking about? You know, because that's a standard of yours, when you see somebody with it, you start to covet it. You start to compare. And when you see people who don't have it and have it worse than you or whatever, then you tend to kind of like look down on them. That's just the nature of comparison. Because to compare, you got to fit in somewhere. And you got to have a rank. And you know exactly where you fit in. You know, whether that's beauty, whether that's school, whether that is your uh, uh, smartness or your brain, or whatever it may be, no matter how t t small or big the category or the standard is, everybody is always using the standard and trying to figure out where I fit. Whether that's swag, coolness, you know, oh, they're cooler than me. Oh, these kids are not as cool as me. You always got to find that slot for you, you know. Oh, I feel like I'm the only one sinful in this room. Anyways, um, but I know y'all are with me. Without even a second thought, we're all doing this. You know, we somehow find a place and then depending on our surroundings, we feel different about ourselves. And we also judge people based on our standards. And that's the exact thing that we are insecure about. Whew. Number two, the symptom. They're insecure. Number two symptom is that they're miserable. If you constantly compare yourself with others, they're all miserable. And I can back it up with scripture as well. You're busy looking at what you don't have and what others have. You're busy thinking, oh, she has that, or he has that, or I don't have that. You're busy doing that, and that causes yourself, your life, to be miserable. Comparison is a trap. It's a trap because it's never going to end. You know, um, that's why people say, oh, and God is saying, stop coveting and live your own life. Because if you start to compare, uh, and you, you, eh. if you start to compare, okay, this, I, I need to talk about it later. Okay, let me, let me keep going. There, I, I'll give an example why people are miserable and when you compare it, when you're insecure and when you are coveting of other people's lives. Uh, this girl, I forgot her name, but this girl was a really, really big name YouTube star. And then she uh, posted a video of how fake the Instagram, the YouTube star's lives are. And then she actually was on a lot of newspapers. I forgot her name. She's a uh, really pretty. She's known to have like picture perfect body. And she had like over a million followers or something on YouTube. Instagram everywhere, and her pictures are gorgeous. She is like 
picture perfect life, quote unquote. And then she pretty much came out and released the vid- video. And if you look at it, she has no makeup on. She's like a normal girl, right? And she's saying, with tears streaming down her face, saying, my life was all fake, guys. And then she, she deleted all her beautiful pictures from Instagram and started posting pictures with the comments saying, hey, this shot with my flat stomach, I starved myself all day. And I, uh, and then all these clothes that I'm wearing, they, uh, you know, they sponsored it. So I got paid for it. And this was all fabricated scenes and it's not natural. You know, I, all that stuff. So she's exposing how picture perfect Instagram life is all fake. And she's saying how miserable she has been while she was worshipped by a million girls in the world and guys, right? Everyone's saying, oh, she's my role model. She's so beautiful. She's so perfect. I want to be just like her. Everybody is worshipping her and wants to be like her. And she, her confession is, my life has been so miserable that I can't even continue this. And I had to come out of my closet. Ended up deleting all our pictures. What are we coveting right now? And see, she looks like she had it all, right? Beauty, popularity, everybody loves her, whatever. And on the flip side, she's herself so insecure. She herself was so insecure and her identity, her confidence was all upon the popularity, the attention that she was getting, all the likes, you know, all the comments, you know. And so she herself, with her beautiful face and body and everything, she was herself very miserable and she was insecure. She didn't have that confidence. People think that, oh, if I had that, I'll be so confident. If I was just like her, oh my gosh, I'm going to enjoy my life. and I'm not going to compare myself to anybody. No. You know, the funny thing is, all the quote-unquote pretty girls, okay, or, or handsome men, whatever, they tend to struggle with insecurities with their how they look. I think that's really bizarre, but then... When I minister, all these like people that other are, others are jealous of, they come to me with the biggest insecurity. And they're so insecure about how they look and all that stuff. It's because it's you can't overcome insecurity by being the prettiest girl in the world. There's always going to be somebody prettier. There's always going to be someone with better resume. There's always going to be people around you that will make you feel smaller. So the the, the remedy is the, the solution isn't to be the best or to be the prettiest or anything. You know, the, the solution we're going to talk about it, but that's not how you overcome it. If I can become just like her, that's not going to solve the issue. That's why it's a trap because it's endless. No matter how many followers you have, it's not going to change a thing. You're going to be constantly miserable, just like this girl who came out of this, right? There are Christians who also covet. And they are also miserable. And there's more reasons for this. I don't know if you guys know of a story of a prodigal son. Have you guys heard of a prodigal son story? So if you grew up in the church, probably it's from Luke chapter 15. It's a story of a father with two sons, right? One older son, obviously, one younger son. And then people think that this story is more about the younger son. Younger son is the one that like, give me my inheritance. And he runs away, squanders it on a really wild life, parties it up, comes back broke and hungry, starving, uh, planning to beg, oh, can you hire me as your servant father? I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. And then the father embraces him and throws a party for him, right? And then that's like a 
picture-perfect story of someone that was backsliding or someone that was not a believer returning to the father after living a wild lifestyle, and the father is there to embrace you. His arms are open. You know, he doesn't reject you. Beautiful story. However, what seems to be a backdrop of the whole thing is the story of an older son. And the older son's story is just as beautiful and powerful. So older son was a good, good, good kid. You know, he never ran away with inheritance. He never rebelled. You know, he did everything. The Bible said he did everything that the father uh, commanded him to do. So he was an obedient son in the house, right? And then the story is he was coming from uh, like work, field work or something. And then he hears the music, you know, it's like music pumping. And like, oh, where's this coming from? Party going on? And realizes that it's his own house. And then he's like, oh, my yo- younger brother's back. He's back after squandering all that, all that he took. Probably upset, probably bitter. Oh, this little shake his back, right? This little younger brother of mine is back. And he's like, oh, but then I hear music. And then he hears the whole story that he came back jacked up, you know, after all the bad things, prostitution and all these things. And, it, and the father threw him a party. He invited all these people to celebrate. Isn't it time to spank him? You know, isn't it time to scold him a little and then get him locked up in a barn or something? The father threw him a party, put on a ring, on a robe, on what? All the brother is like angry because he's like, I, I think I deserve more than that, but I never got that. So he has a conversation with the father. And verse 30, 31, somewhere around there, and he's like, I've been obeying you the whole time, dad, and you never gave me even a goat to celebrate with my friends. You never threw me even a birthday party. So that's what he's saying, essentially. But now with that, my him, what? You know, he's all upset. And the father says this, verse 31, and the father said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. You're, I'm always with you. You had me all along. And everything that I have is yours. My son, my love, my affection, my, my uh, possession, my house, my presence. I've been always with you. What do you mean? That's what the father says, right? Christians or believers who covet things of the world or things that the, their neighbors have, they are miserable not because they don't have enough things. They're miserable because their desire for the world, their desire for what others have is so big that it's pushing away the love of the Father. That's why they're so miserable. It's because they start to despise what they have, which is the presence of my Father, which is the affection and the love of the Father, which is the fact that I live in the same house and I, I, I breathe with him, I talk with him, the routine and the daily interaction, communion with my Father. This guy is taking it for granted. It doesn't mean a thing to him anymore. Why? Because he's busy looking at what others got. Younger brother's got a party. What? A ring? A robe? And he's thinking, I don't have that. First John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, it says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life... It's not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. This verse says, when you love the world and things of the world, what others have, what I don't have, all that stuff, 
then the lo- it, it, it squeezes out the love of the father. It's at rivalry. It, it's at, what is that? Like, it's competing against each other. So when you start to love the things in the world and the world itself, it starts to push away the love of the Father. And the Bible makes it very clear. If you keep doing this, there will, will not be any love of the Father in you. That's why they're miserable. Not because you don't have this. Not because I don't look like that girl. Not because my brain is not as good as my classmates. Not because you don't have enough things. You're miserable because you're pushing away the love of the Father. Because you're busy loving other stuff in the world. Which is passing away. Which is not going to last. Which is like a snap of a finger. Which is not going to give you any satisfaction at the end. Which is going to leave you wanting for more. When you get one thing, the next thing is waiting. Or when you think that you got it, next thing is waiting. And your comparison, the envy, the jealousy, the, the lack of satisfaction of life, and all that kicks in and you are just left wanting for more, wanting for more, next thing, wanting for more. Comparing, oh, someone better showed up. I feel insecure. I lack confidence. You know, and then you feel better in front of other people. That cycle goes on and on and on. It's never meant to satisfy you. It's a trap. For Christians, this is even worse because you know what? Because you know the love of the Father. And they're constantly at war. They're constantly at battle. And the more you want, desire, or have more of the world, it starts to push away, squeeze out the love of the Father. And it's constantly at that battle. You know, but then you go, I want this. But then like, oh, love of the God, love of the Lord. On Sundays, you're like, oh, yeah, I love, 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 worship. And then other days, it's kind of like, oh, but I want this too. There's constant battle, and that's why they're miserable. Love of the Father is not in them. The problem is this. You're despising what you have, which is the love of the Father in you. All you could think about is, but I don't have this. God didn't give me that. And that's what causes your heart to go anxious or jealous or envious, and the cycle goes on. I was just like that in college. To be frank. Then how do I overcome the temptation of coveting other people? So I got to tell you how, right? I can't just talk about like coveting, coveting, coveting and not tell you how to overcome it. Have it all. Then you'll be fine, right? Be the prettiest girl, most popular girl at Yonsei. Smartest person in your class. Have it all. Fine, right? No, terrible sermon if I end like this. (laughs) No, I told you, it's not going to end. It's not possible. This is not going to work, okay? Then, that's not how to solve it, but that's usually how we approach it. You know, if you feel insecure about something, you try to overcome it by being better at it. That's very true. If you feel insecure about uh, whatever, then you try to... You try to, like, overcompensate and get that, right? But that's not how you... Actually, it, it makes you even more even more insecure. The, the harder you try, the, the, the bigger, the, the, the harsher the damage is. That's from my personal experience. I was obsessing over um, the whole thing about popularity and beauty. Uh, a lot of girls are here, but I was so insecure about how I looked, uh, especially my uh, body image. I had a distorted body image, so that's why I was starting from uh, high school, uh, first three years in college, 
The first half was I was non-believer. The second half I was a believer, but I was bulimic throughout about six to six and a half years. I would eat and I would throw up and things like that. I was really compulsive and I couldn't really stop it. Uh, it was because I was obsessing over the whole popularity thing. Oh, I need to be skinny. I need to fit into standards. I need to lose weight. But then I still wanted to eat things, you know, like ramen, like late at night just tastes so much better. So I just had to keep eating. And then after eating, I'll be like, oh, I can't, I can't gain weight. And I'll just throw up. You know, I would eat and throw up, eat and throw up. My hand was jacked up. If you, if I still sort of have a scar, but I was very, very severely bulimic uh, for six, seven years. Um, but, you know, how can, but was I more secure when I lost weight? No, I was even more insecure. And I was even more, more miserable uh, because I was trapped in it. And I knew that this wasn't going to end. I knew in my head this is not a battle that's going to end like this. However, I was stuck in it. And I, I couldn't, but Jesus set me free. Praise the Lord. That's a whole nother story. But how do you overcome it? It's not by being the prettiest girl. It's not by being the best at everything to have it all. But you need to let go, get rid of the standard of the world. Simple as that. You have to dismiss the standard of the world and base your worth and value on God. Insecurity Turning that into security, you need a better foundation, okay? If you are unstable, turning that into stability, you need to work on the foundation, not the tower, okay? It's not being shaken because the tower has an issue. It's sh being shaken up because the foundation has an issue. You don't, you know, and then what people try to work on is the exterior of the building. Oh, let's work on the building. The building is be being shaken up. That's not how you fix it. You need to work on the foundation of the building. Architect right here, you know, right? <laughs> so you need to work on the foundation. How? What's the foundation of our faith? What's the foundation of our identity? It's Jesus Christ. It's God-given identity that we have. That we're made in the image of God. The foundation is the Lord. So what you need to work on is not yourself. It's how you are rooted in the foundation of Jesus Christ. And that's the only way you are going to feel stable. You're going to feel secure. And that will be only found in God himself. Easier said than done. Okay? I know it. Let me tell you how... How much can I share? So I think I'm really beautiful, guys. Okay? Let me just put it up there. <laughs> I am very confident about myself. But was this always the case? Not at all. I was very, very insecure to the point where I would, when I knew someone that I know was walking towards me, I would make a detour. Because I just did not want to be seen by anybody. And for them to think that I gained weight or I have more freckles or anything. I was so insecure about everything that I would literally avoid people. And I was afraid of even engaging with uh, friends or whatnot. I went to Iwa. That was my school, undergrad. 
And Yuhua campus is full of insecure girls. And it feeds your insecurity even more. And I was probably feeding their insecurity too. And we're just feeding each other insecurity all the time. You know, it's just the way you look at each other, you, the way you scan each other daily, all that stuff, right? So I was super, extremely insecure. But the way I overcame my insecurity, one, I was working on myself. You know, oh, lose weight, learn how to put on makeup, you know, get this done, get that done, like what other girls are doing, what they're wearing, trendy, whatever i tried it i tried it all but i found myself even feeling even more insecure about myself right and then i realized that even my pretty really really pretty friends were feeling all the same way so i was like this is really strange and the way i overcame it was through hearing god's voice about how beautiful i was i had to hear it from him not from other people. Hey, you look good. You look cute. That doesn't do much. But when you hear it from the Lord, the one that created you, the one that you believe is perfect, and the one you have to believe, if you believe that you are imperfect, you have to believe that God is imperfect. If he is perfect, his works are perfect, right? If I am his work, you need to believe that, oh, then I must be perfect, so for you to believe that I lack things, I am not this, I am imperfect, you probably, the way you are looking at God is twisted. You don't, you know, how can you say, oh yeah, God is perfect. He made everything perfect except for me. You know, if that's how you perceive yourself, you know, he, he made everything beautiful except for me. You know, he never makes mistakes except for my life. You know, you, the way you look at God must be twisted for you to be able to say stuff like that about your life. If you truly believe God is perfect, his works are perfect. Every, he makes everything beautiful. Oh, me too. So am I. That's why when I heard his voice that, he, I was beautiful and I was made in his image and all these affirmations from the Lord, it was solid foundation and I, I stopped being shaken ever again. And it doesn't matter who I am in front of. It doesn't matter who I'm surrounded by. I am as confident as ever and I am not flattered by being surrounded by less pretty girls. I don't have that. And I also, so I don't elevate myself based on those things, but I also don't go lower than other people thinking, oh, they're better or whatever. I am just who I am. And this is me. And I love the way God created me. I love the way I am. You know, I just love myself. <laughs> so I hope that you guys also hear him saying that to you. And that's the only way you're going to get your breakthrough, not through hearing flattering words that itches your ear, but from a voice that's coming from inside out. And the Lord saying, you're my, you're my perfect daughter. You're my perfect son. I created you the way you are, and I made no mistake about you. You don't look like, like anything. Just perfect. You're just perfect. You all need to hear that for you to really stand on that firm identity. Anybody hungry here? <laughs> I am. I didn't eat dinner. Anyway, if you, if you order pizza right now, guys, and a delivery guy, a delivery guy shows up, right, with a box of pizza on his shoulder. Anybody order pizza? And you open it and find out there's no pizza inside. How would you feel? Oh, what are you delivering? What are you doing, right? But then the guy goes, no, 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 no. Hey, this box... Uh, it's made in UK, 
It's designed by Marc Jacobs. It's made of best quality paper, and uh, it actually has gold gold uh, plating going on on the box. Here you go. What would you say? Dude, I ordered pizza. Give me my pizza, right? I'm going somewhere with this. It's not the box that is important. It's the pizza that's important, amen? Okay? The box exists for pizza. The pizza doesn't exist for the box, amen? Yeah? Your life is a box. God is the pizza. Okay? Do you get it? <laughs> pizza gives value to the box. The box doesn't give value to pizza. Do you get it? It's not your life that, the, the decked out life that, you know, that's important. The box doesn't matter. As long as there's pizza inside. I don't care if it's made of crappy paper or whatever. As long as there's pizza inside, it's a substantially valuable box of pizza to me, okay? That's all I care, okay? As long as there's pizza in it, I'm happy with it, okay? Who cares about the box? But that's how we live our lives. As if the box is what matters the most. It's like your resume, working on your looks, and all gold plating is designed by Mark Jacob. Who cares? Mark Jacob doesn't design pizza boxes, by the way. It's just 30 cents. It wor it's worth nothing. It's just a piece of paper. It's just a piece of trash when there's no pizza inside. Amen? And people spend their entire lives working on that box decorating it you know let's make a circular box or i don't know what people how creative you can be with boxes but how however fancy or however whatever casual looking box you are we're all just boxes guys you're not pizza but what matters is the pizza inside of you god i'm not saying you're pizza <laughs> i was talking about the substance God is the substance that is important, not a piece of paper, the box that we are. What, what really matters is the eternal value that we carry, the God inside of us. It's not coming from how the box looks. And how people live these days, all focusing on the box. Philippians 3.8, this is what Apostle Paul said. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For this sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. This is a guy that understood I'm just a box. I'm just a piece of rubbish without Jesus Christ. I'm just a box without knowing the surpassing value of Jesus Christ, the pizza <laughs> in me. Yeah? So why are we trying to covet how your box looks, how that person's box looks? That's fancier box, too. Why is that so important? All I care is the substance, what's inside, and it's love of God. It's the value that God has put inside of you. When I was coming out of my bulimic days, I shared my testimony in India. And this is the revelation that God gave me right before I had to go up and share my testimony for the first time. And this is what he spoke to me. He said, 
it didn't come in a neat conversation like this, but just get the gist of it, okay? Do you guys know the most expensive painting in the world? It might have changed, but back then it was uh, it was Mona Lisa. Mon <laughs> Mona Lisa? Is that the name? Yeah, you guys all know what that looks like, right? Funny, cause my ID picture actually I look like Mona Lisa. Anyways, but he said. That's the most expensive and valuable painting in the whole wide world. And do you know why? And I was like, uh, oh, because Leonardo Dicap, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Leonardo Da Vinci, yeah. <laughs> da Vinci. I, I never say his name correctly. Da Vinci drew it, right? You guys get it? It's not because she's the most beautiful girl in the world, okay? She, she ain't got no eyebrows, okay? <laughs> If you look at her, she, she got no eyebrows, the way she's smiling, awkward. She's not the most beautiful girl in the world, okay? However, that's still the most valuable, the most expensive painting in the world. Why? It was masterpiece by Da Vinci, okay? You are not valuable or worthy because you are the most fancy looking person in the world. Or you went to Harvard and you, whatever it did, all these things, accomplishment, you're the CEO of this and that. That ain't matter, okay? That's just like eyebrow missing, okay? <laughs> you are the masterpiece of God that you are because God made you. That's what I heard at that moment. And I was like, okay, God. And I shared my testimony. I had to take a step of faith to say it, okay? There's a reason why do not covet is a commandment. Okay? It's not a choice. It's a matter of submission. It's a matter of obedience. You know, so I'm not saying, hey, do not covet because that makes you miserable, you know, because that makes you more insecure. I'm not giving you guys an opinion or like a nice TED talk. I'm here to preach the word of God. And the word of God is do not covet. Do not compare yourself with other people. Do not be look busy looking at other people and what you don't have, what they have, and wasting away your life. Stop working on the stupid pizza box and look at me and what's inside of you. Look at how much I love you and who came to save your life and be your savior and be your Lord. Hey, look at the love of Jesus Christ. Look at the love of the Father that you have. Why are you forgetting about that? Why are you despising that? You have the best thing in this world. So stop coveting. And that is the commandment that came for us to obey, that came for us to hold on to. It's a matter of submission and obedience. So you may think that, oh, yeah, I'm a little insecure. Or you may just think that, oh, yeah, I get jealous easily. Oh, yeah, I tend to look at other people and compare. No, that's a submission issue. You need to submit your identity, who you are, how you feel about yourself to the Lord, and that will take care of it. It's a sin matter is what I'm trying to say. It's a sin matter because Ten Commandments, it's all about sin. All right? So trying harder, that's not going to fix you. You got to know the love of God that is so precious and that is what makes you worthy, valuable. That's what makes you confident. That's what's going to take away your insecurities. Amen? Let's pray together. This requires a lot of faith to believe, and I know it. Coming from the background that I came from, I know that. But today my challenge is, guys, not to try harder to overcome it or appear confidence. Because that that's what I tried to do. Because I knew confidence was attractive. I knew confidence was cool. And I tried to be 
confident. But it didn't work because I knew it wasn't coming from inside out. I knew I was putting on the sheer layer of fleshly confidence. And I just tried to look that way, but I wasn't. Deep inside, I was so insecure. And today, I really want to pray that it's not going to be overnight. But I want to give you guys an opportunity to really overcome the pattern of coveting. Pattern of looking at others and comparing yourself to it and feeling miserable about it. And I really want to pray the love of the Father over you so that that will push away the love of the world. So that you will know how valuable, how amazing, how perfect you are just because of the Creator Himself. And I also want you to come out and pray yourself. Because it's not just that I'm going to pray for you. The crew members are going to pray for you. But you need to pray that, God, in faith, I receive this. Because this is done by obedience. This has to be done by your own faith. You have to believe, yes, God, you made me this way. And I embrace it. God, you love me. And I embrace that. And, Lord, I will stop focusing so much on the box. But, Lord, I will look to the one that is inside of me and his love. This needs to be spoken out by yourself by your own tongue. And that I cannot do for you. So I'm just going to invite up whatever the area of insecurity is, guys, stand up and receive prayer.